Welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And we're talking to the multinational hard rock band Lucifer, who have a new album ready to release on 29th October 2021. Joining us is more than one member from the band. So, hi guys, welcome to Horns Up. Can you introduce yourselves so that our listeners know whose voice is whose? Hey, this is Johanna. And hello, this is Nikit. I am the drummer of Lucifer. And I sing. Hi guys. Hi Johanna, hi Nikka. Thank you for sparing some time out and talking to two fans of the band from India. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy cuz uh, like animation I am at least I'm a huge Entombed fan so Nikka it's a real honor to have you on the podcast. And well, I'm a really huge Lucifer fan. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you guys. So, you know your previous album which was lucifer 3 released 18 months ago and now you're ready to release lucifer 4 when you think about it right 18 months typically is not so much when you look at it but considering the years we live in right so much has changed since then so how does it feel looking back at the last 18 months or so i don't know and right now i think it just feels good that we're kind of seeing seeing some kind of end to this It's weird. It's one of those things. It feels like it's an eternity ago, but it also feels like it was yesterday. I'm glad that um it took um only well it's still a long time, but it only took that time and because it wasn't clear how long this pandemic is going to be. It could have been much longer too. So, uh I'm glad that so many people are getting vaccinated. Um I hope um you know that the vaccinations will be uh, spread out all over the world because I know that for some countries it's harder to get them but uh we came through it and I guess for Lucifer it was maybe a little bit easier to go through it because yes we recorded another album and we made use of the time because usually we would would have been on tour a lot and um and now we were able to just uh, in a short amount of time record yet another album and that was easy for us because Uh, we have two studios within the band um Nikke has a studio and also our guitar player Linus has a studio so in in that sense you know we made the most of of the time because i've heard from a lot of bands that um haven't been so creative that they got kind of depressed because you know when you don't see each other as a band playing shows and then you don't do anything in the studio then i mean that doesn't leave you anything really <laughs> and um so i think we made the most of it Okay um uh, this is a process related question are all of you like in one city we're all based in stockholm right now i mean johanna is from berlin mhm yeah and she started the band there but in the beginning it was way more of an international band than it is now now it's a lot easier you know because we're all in the same city this means that um actually during the pandemic the band was basically the only people that we really socialized with oh fantastic The press note had an interesting factoid in it which was that the songs on the new album had all members contributing and that seemed like it was a new thing as such for the album is that yeah. true and uh, how did that really affect the songwriting process as compared to the previous albums it was pretty much the same except that all of a sudden out of the blue lenus showed us four ideas that he had and Johanna uh finished two of them and those two songs ended up on the album which is Crucifix at Burnfield and Nightmare 
and then we kind of forced Martin to write an instrumental song called The Funeral Pyre. So that, that was the difference. And it's, of course, that makes the band feel more like a band somehow. And the fact that Linus's uh, song ideas were, they were really good. Yeah, if, so, if they weren't so good, then it would be a little bit of a problem. Well, then we, would, <laughs> <laughs> then we wouldn't have put it on the album. No, but it was a nice surprise. You know? um, it was a really nice surprise that Linus stepped forward with the songs because we didn't know, you know, that he could write like this. And when we listened to it, it really sounded more Lucifer than Lucifer. So it was uh, a really great surprise. And one of them even became the single Crucifix, you know, where, that we just released with a video. So that's really cool. And... Um, um, it feels good, you know, because before Lucifer was always a band um, where all the songs were written between two people. So to um, have the other ones being included in this um, is a nice thing for, for the band dynamic. You know, it, it shows that Lucifer is a stable, has a stable lineup now, you know, and that um, we all became friends, you know, and we speak each other's musical language. And yeah, it's cool. I, I really love that about the new album. Excellent. I'm going to uh, ask you to just build on what you said, which was that this particular song, Crucifix, or some of uh, Linus's ideas sounded more Lucifer than Lucifer. <laughs> and then you mentioned, like, you know, everybody talking the same musical language. What is the musical language of Lucifer as such? What is the Lucifer sound? Well, you know, I, I, I guess musical language, um, what I mean with that is that... Um, we understand each other as in, you know, what kind of tastes does everybody in the band have and where you're coming from, you know, what kind of music did you grow up with? Because we talk a lot about, you know, all the stuff that we love and so on. And I think we all have probably pretty similar tastes in music. And we also now, after playing together for such a long time, we kind of know, you know, what, what would work within Lucifer. Exactly, exactly. So what is it that works within Lucifer? Obviously, the easy way to answer that question is, hey, check out Lucifer 4 and any of the previous Lucifer albums. But to say somebody who can't really listen to the music for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, how would you describe Lucifer's sound to them? Uh, I think Lucifer sonically could be described as, I don't know, a mix between Pentagram and ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you know we we we're music fans, but we don't listen to so much stuff that's. I mean, it's mostly around the sixties and the seventies, uh, but not only Black Sabbath, which is a of course a huge influence. But we listen to other stuff too, like uh, Deep Purple. <laughs> but you know, we 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 kind of like. Uh, we thought rock and roll had its peak in in the seventies in terms of uh, sonics and and songwriting, so that's what we're aiming for, I guess. I mean, we like some stuff from the eighties too, but not so much production wise. I don't know. I I just describe it as a good blend of sixties and seventies rock. Although I do believe that um, it is also audible that all of us also listened to extreme metal for a period of our life, you know, uh, or still do, you know, I mean, 
obviously Nicker was with his past, you know, with Entombed and Death Breath and all that. I mean, there's riffs in there, you know, that sometimes um, it could be from a thrash metal album or from, you know, um, a proto-doom album or a new wave of British heavy metal. You do find all these uh, different influences that we have somehow in Lucifer. I think Lucifer is a little bit of a melting pot of all these different genres that we love. You know what I'm most happy about? The fact that you guys didn't use the words occult rock or doom rock while describing the band. <laughs> I would never, I would actually never call Lucifer an occult band. I would call Lucifer a hard rock band um, because I just like the word because it's the kind of stuff that I love um, is basically all hard rock. I mean, not even Pentagram would have called themselves a doom band back in the day. You know, I think that's... There were no such terms. No, I think that came later in the 90s, right? The word uh, doom. Um, But I don't have a problem with the word doom. But I think occult rock, well, you know, I mean, that occult themes, they have always been in rock. The devil lives in rock and roll. Yeah, and it's also when I've seen that when that was a little bit of a hype for a bit, when it was called occult rock. And I was like, what hell is that? It doesn't say anything. It it talked... more about the lyrics than anything else i mean the devil's blood do they sound like venom no and i I don't know it doesn't it's a pretty bad term for music i think Mm, okay cool one final question while we're on this topic of describing your music i seem to recollect an interview that i read of yours johanna where you described your music as uh, finally, the music that you make that you can listen to that, that you can listen with your parents or something of that sort. I don't remember, Do you remember that. that? I have, no, I don't remember. Really? That's funny. But maybe that's compared to the stuff you did in the 90s where it was black metal. <laughs> well, the I thing guess. is, you know, I mean, my parents, they had, you know, Deep Purple, ZZ Top, um, all that kind of stuff at home. And I, I would say, you know, the term dad rock. You know, that's kind of like that. that, That's the kind of stuff that we listen to, (laughs) you know, because I mean, it is the music of a different generation, you know, all that 70s heavy rock stuff. So I guess in a sense, uh, maybe you could listen with your parents to it. Um, I don't know. It depends on your parents. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Since you brought up a production, right? One thing I want. I really enjoyed about the album was its stripped down production, right? And, you know, we are in an age of like digital recording. So how hard is it to resist like, you know, overproducing a track or an album? Well, first of all, it it depends on what one means with underproduced or, you know, because I don't think this album is in any way underproduced. Um, I mean, it, it it's all about references, right? I mean, this, it's not like I'm trying when I mix the album, for example, it's not like I'm trying really hard to make it sound like it was recorded in 75. I actually don't know how to make it sound any different because I didn't learn that because I'm not interested in it. I think this is how I want drums to sound. And this is how I want the guitars to sound. And I mean, we put a lot of effort in, in effect uh, here and there, you know, so I would say it's far from underproduced. It's just that it compared to a modern day metal album, perhaps, it sounds like it's recorded in a cave compared to that because 
but that's what we like. <laughs> and I don't think okay. it sounds like that. But when I listen to a modern generic metal production today, I'm sorry, but I think it sounds like ass. Yeah, yeah. We, absolutely. I want, I want the kick drum to sound like a kick drum and not a typewriter and so on. You know, I just want yeah. it to sound like yeah. music. No resisting going on there. It's very easy to not do it like that. Yeah. You know? I don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, because like that that's the thing, right? I mean, like the drums, of course, get the most amount where you want it to exactly each uh, hit sound the same, right? And it ends yeah. up just sounding sterile. So that's where I was kind of coming from. But I think if you, if you, for example, want every drum hit to sound exactly the same, then you have to play it like that. But nobody can. And yeah. also it's like, why would you want the drums to sound like a, a drum machine? Because then you can use a drum machine, right? It exactly. Doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's, you know, that's the thing, you know, these old recordings or the stuff that we listen to, um, that's, you know, um, what is really gold in our ears, you know, it, it has this organic sound, it's not sleek, it lives and it breathes, you know, and it's not um, clinical. And I think it's very important, you know, in music, because we are rock and rollers at heart. And if you take all that humanity out of music, it just becomes plastic. Anika, you mentioned something really interesting, which was, it's all about the references. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about that. What were these kind of references that you were aiming for? Oh, but that's, uh, I think what I meant was that if you play something to someone who doesn't have the same references as you, that person will hear it differently than me because we have different references. Uh, I remember one time with my other band, The Helicopters, a journalist said, this song reminds me of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I got really angry. Uh, I <laughs> what? Are you serious? <laughs> and I got offended because I was young. But now I know the closest thing this guy had in his record collection was probably Red or Chili Peppers. So that's his reference to what he was hearing. So that's kind of what I meant. And I mean, but at the same time, music is supposed to be listened to individually. It's your own, everyone's experience. So if somebody says, I really like this, it reminds me of Red or Chili Peppers. I cannot get angry about that because that's how that person hears it. But at the same time, I do want to say that we don't listen to Red or Chili Peppers. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, if you do, if you don't, that's a subjective thing. What I was actually trying to understand was like, obviously in your head, when you are creating these sounds, right? When you're creating this, um, this, th this thing of how this particular band should sound like, you're obviously aiming for something, right? Something doesn't sound quite right. So you need to add something to it. Or sometimes it sounds too good and maybe you need to subtract something from it. I'm trying to ask you essentially, what is it that you were trying to, which sound were you trying to achieve? Uh, it's a very, it's a very convoluted subjective question. And I understand that it's a difficult one to answer. No, it, it's actually not so difficult. I mean, uh, I, I think, uh, like, for example, if you try, it's just say something like uh, a drum sound. Of course, I have favorite drum sounds. So you aim for that. 
but you're never gonna have the same drum sound because you don't play the same as that drummer and you don't play in the same room. But that's how you set the bar and what the outcome will be that it's gonna sound like Lucifer in this case, because that's who we are. So it, it will sound like us, but, I, but in order to get there, you still have to uh, look for something that you wanna achieve. Uh, and that's a good thing. You're never gonna achieve that because, you know, like I said, you don't have the same possibilities to make that, but that in itself will make it sound unique because, uh, yeah. Okay, so, you know, at this point, we'd like to play a song from Lucifer 4. Which song should we play and why? Oh, then I would say Mausoleum, because that's uh, uh, the song that Johanna wrote without Linus or me, which I think is really cool. <laughs> Johanna, would you like to introduce that song? This is a new track of a new album, Lucifer 4, called Mausoleum.
Alrighty, that was Mausoleum from Lucifer 4. And we are talking to Lucifer's Nika and Johanna. Here's a question, guys. Four albums in, what's gotten easier for the band as such and what's become more difficult? Easier is that um, we talked about musical language before. So uh, writing songs together is, of course, a lot faster than the first time we tried it, you know, because now we kind of know, you know, um, how the other one is thinking and ticking, you know. Um, what's harder? I don't know. I don't actually hard. see anything harder. No. It just feels like everything is easier just because we all know each other so much better. I have to ask at this point, what's the reason for choosing numbers for your album titles? Um, well, first, of course, it started because, um, you know, I was uh, I liked that Led Zeppelin, for example, did that and Danzig, you know, um, Chicago. <clears throat> Yeah, but I'm a <laughs> Nick has said Chicago, but I've never been a Chicago fan. Me neither. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I've been a Led Zeppelin and a Danzig fan. So um, so I just thought that's really cool. And as it turns out, it also makes everything a lot easier <laughs> because it is hard to come up with an album title, you know. I mean, maybe in the future it could change, you know, it could be like Lucifer number nine. Um how the gods kill <laughs> or something like that, you know, but, um, or it could just be a title um, if there's a cooler title to be taken, but um, no, basically it's a homage to bands that I love. I also like the one you answered that one time, uh, the, the similar question you answered it like, cause you wanted to people to see that this is not a one-off project. So if you start calling it one, <clears throat> it has to be a number two and and also the way you said about concentrating on something then it will happen yeah that's another thing you know because i had a band before lucifer called the oath which broke up after one album so i thought if i give lucifer one the number one and then it will be clear that it's going to be a sequence i noticed that lucifer three was nominated for the best hard rock slash metal at uh last the 2021 Grammys, which is the Swedish uh, Music Awards. What are your thoughts on awards and do they really matter at all? They don't matter, but uh, I'm still pissed off that we didn't win. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Who eventually won? I didn't end up finding that information. Uh, Dark Tranquility. Yeah. Wow. They deserve it because they've been at it for a long time. So yeah, they uh, waited for it for um, probably sixty-five years. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I don't know if that statement is a compliment or. (laughs) But 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 only in Sweden would a band like Dark Tranquility and Lucifer be vying in the same award category, right? It's true. And in Germany, I wouldn't be nominated for any music prize. (laughs) All right. It's supposed to be a joke. (laughs) Yep, yep. Got that. Got that. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, Quickly, um, let's talk about Lucifer's identity, right? Uh, The visuals, the themes, the space and the mind space as such that the band occupies. What I want to understand from you, Johanna, particularly is, uh, do you think of like those aspects as a brand of sorts um, or how a brand would approach you know things like a design language or collaterals etc etc and how much time do you really spend on that aspect 
of the band? A lot, you know, because we do everything ourselves. And um, Nick and I, we both learned um, how to use Photoshop, for example. So nobody, well, that I was just going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. He's better at it than I, I am. But I did actually go to like a school to learn how to, um, but that's because to use it. it more. Yeah, and Nick has been doing it more lately. But the ideas are all from here because we just realized, you know, before um, I knew how to use Photoshop, I always had to hire somebody, you know, and it was super annoying because I knew exactly what I wanted. So I always made like collage or I did like a pencil drawing and I was like, and then you have to pay somebody for it. And it's like, damn, I should just do this myself. So I went to school to learn it, you know, but, um, and now Nika does it because he's so much better at it than I am. Um, we spend a lot of time looking at things, you know, we are big fans of um, not only old music, but old graphic design, you know, poster art, old film posters, old book covers, you know, how it's been done, like in, in movies, you know, the, the credits and everything. It just looks so amazing, these old fonts. So, you know, we are constantly basically getting inspired with that too. So um, we spend a lot of time thinking about visual things because I think it's really important uh, when you present a band. I think actually everything is important. The music, of course, comes first, but then it's the visual things, the imagery, also, you know, how a band dresses. You know, you don't want to see a band like Lucifer in shorts, in shorts and sneakers on stage, you know, uh, because that's when I go to a show, I want to be taken completely into another world. And and you could also add to the fact uh, that uh, in music, I actually think you can judge a book by its cover. That's a bold statement. And that's how I grew up uh, with music uh, when I was a kid. I bought the records that looked good. And very often they were good. Maybe nowadays that doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that applies anymore to that particular degree. Yeah, yeah we, 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 we bought a lot of records that sounded very different, right? Like from the cover. <laughs> there are, of course, probably more exceptions. <laughs> than, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're, both Johanna and me, we are very... Like she said, we're extremely interested in aesthetics and visuals. I mean, that's... Uh, it shows. Know. It definitely shows. Hence the question. All right. So, you know, we're coming towards the end and I must ask you about, you know, live shows. I mean, I noticed that you've got an album release show which has a Halloween theme. So I'm sure there's something really cool planned. But after that, you're also touring with Dead Lord across Europe. So... What are you looking forward to most from the shows? I mean, considering you couldn't play live in support of your previous album. I think just right now, since it's been so long, it's enough just to play in front of an audience. It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't have to be anymore because that's more than enough. Yeah, I think it's special enough just to get to play a show, you know, because we didn't know um, when it's going to happen again. Um, actually our release party unfortunately we're not playing uh, we are just um, putting on records and playing other bands basically <laughs> so it's just going to be a party you know um, but um, yeah the tour is next month the first one and um, I guess we just have to get used to being um, a live band again you know because when we left the stage uh, in January 2020 that was our last tour and we were, I would say, a pretty good live band then because we just played a lot, you know. But when you take that away from a band, 
after almost two years, you know, it will take a little bit to warm up and get back on a roll with it. So I'm just looking forward, you know, to get out of Sweden and, you know, be on the road and, you know, um, see other faces and actually interact with people, you know, that come to our shows and, and see like a reaction to our songs, you know, because we are pretty isolated. If you're not on tour, I mean, of course, there's social media and you get a little bit of feedback there, but it's not the same, you know, when you stand in front of your audience and, and you see them, you know, do they do they like it? You know, do they rock out? You know, do they? It's a it's a great thing and it's irreplaceable. Alrighty. So here's our final question then. And I'm sorry if I offend you guys in any manner with this question, but here it is nonetheless. Um, were you guys personally excited when you heard that there's a new ABBA record coming out? Oh, I was interested, but we, then we listened to it, uh, the two songs, and they were okay. They sounded like ABBA, but we were kind of we were kind of appalled by the whole idea with they're gonna do virtual shows, and that was yeah. It, it looked it looked kind of silly. I mean, the thing about ABBA is, you know, it's not like I listen to ABBA um, much. But I, I have to admit, you know, I pull my hat um, towards them just for the songwriting. I mean, they really were kind of the Beatles of disco. Um, mm -hmm. Songwriting is spectacular, you know, and, and that's that's something not anybody can do, you know. So I have a lot of respect for that. And um, there's a few songs. There's one song called, um, what was it? Uh, something with Eagle. Yeah, I think you, but I don't know. They have some stuff that's not so popular that's maybe a little bit more interesting. But anyways, I don't have a problem with ABBA, you know. No, it wasn't. It, uh, I, I didn't think you guys would have a problem with ABBA. I just wanted to speak to somebody who's living in Sweden about ABBA. Yeah. Because I would think that it would be this moment, like gargantuan, momentous kind of an occasion. Like, oh my God, ABBA's releasing an album. Ah, everybody goes wild. You is know, it is it that kind of a thing? No, and for me it isn't because when I was a kid, I kind of made a choice between Kiss and ABBA. And I, <laughs> <Whoa>. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and I can I, now when I'm older, I can totally appreciate ABBA, but they were kind of annoying when I grew up. You know, that yeah. was the music you didn't listen to. Yeah, exactly. You know? Same here. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, if they want to record some new music, that's cool. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. All right. So thanks so much for your time. And, you know, we wish you all the success for Lucifer 4 and Horns Up. Thank you so much. Horns Up, guys. A pleasure talking to you. Horns Up. That was nice. And that was Lucifer. Once again, the album Lucifer 4 releases 29th October 2021 on Century Media. Listen to it and let us know what you thought of it. We're all yours at hauntsuppod.com and on Twitter at hauntsuppod. I'm on Twitter at Asmoani. I'm at Trendcrusher. And this was Hauntsupp. Fantastic. <laughs>